Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you, God, for your goodness. And we pray, Father, that you use me here, Lord, as a vessel, Lord, a vessel, an instrument of your word, an instrument of your voice to your people, God. Father, even in a time of, of dry places, that you may be the voice that we hear, God. I pray that you refresh us here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week, we went through the Valley of Dry Bones. And um, as I mentioned, today is part two. And last week, we went through, uh, Pastor Rivera shared on Ezekiel 37. And he talked about how God took Ezekiel in the midst of a valley of dry bones. But right before taking Ezekiel to the valley of dry bones, he takes Ezekiel to a garden. And that's how it is. You go to Ezekiel 36, that's what took place right before 37, just like that. So let's go to Ezekiel 36, verse 34. And you got to pay attention so you can understand this message. And so you know their land was destroyed and in ruin. And the Lord said, the desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So people are going to pass by this desolate land, and this is what's going to happen. Verse 35. It says, they will say, this land that was desolate, that was waste, that was in ruin, has become like the Garden of Eden. And the wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. You see, their land was destroyed and in ruin. But he said, I'm going to make your wasteland like a Garden of Eden. But immediately after receiving the vision of the Garden of Eden, the Lord takes Ezekiel into the midst of a graveyard, of the midst of this uh, graveyard of dry bones. And God takes him from this garden to the graveyard. And I ask you, have you ever had to go from the garden to the graveyard? Where in the garden, everything is beautiful. Everything's in harmony. The water stream is there. The flowers are blooming. Everything's going your way. There's life. There's peace. But then you go from this garden over to this graveyard where there's dead bones this dark and dry valley, lonely valley. So let's, let's go there. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. And so the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and sat down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. Everybody say very dry. very dry. That's right. Sometimes our lives in the midst of that valley seems very dry. And we learned that last week. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I, this is Ezekiel answering, oh Lord, only you know that answer. You alone know the answer. If these bones can live, and I believe that these bones can live, you know the answer to that. 
And so again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So sometimes you have to stop talking about what you see and start speaking to what you see. Because we talk so much about our problems, but instead we should be speaking to our problems. And we're good, we're very good at describing our problems, the complexities, all the issues of our lives. But yet the Lord places Ezekiel in the middle of the valley and he says, I don't want you to speak about what you see. I want you to speak about what I said until you see, until what you see looks like what I said. And he wants you to speak and prophesy to those bones. We got to speak life to our problems. We got to speak life to what is dead. And stop talking about what is dead. Because it's so easy to complain. It's so easy to whine. It's so easy to say, I'm going through this, I'm going through that. But what are you speaking to that? To give it life. And notice it wasn't God who said those words. He wants you to confess it. He had Ezekiel confess that. Prophesy to these bones. Speak to these bones life into them. John 16, Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me, everybody say, in me, that's Jesus, you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In other words, we are told to look at him and not the troubles, not the problems, but that we face and look and keep our focus on Jesus in the midst of that valley, in the midst of that darkness. Ezekiel 37.3, he asked that question, can these bones live? Many of us have a belief that God can do big things. And we just don't know if he can do big things as small as us. We look at us and we say, you know what, you can't do anything with us. But you got to stop focusing on this dead stuff that we got. And start focusing on a God who is alive. Because he can do it. So God brought me here today to challenge you to stop describing your problems and start declaring his promises over your problems. Stop talking about it and start talking to it. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So that was part one. Part two is this morning. It's the valley. I want to start by saying that the valley can be a very dry place if you're taking notes you can put that it's a very dry place. And at very times, it's very lonely. Ezekiel stood alone in the valley. He didn't have any brothers and sisters there with him. Joseph stood alone throughout his trials. And he had to endure so much hardship. And while serving the Lord, it's not like something he deserved, right? He was imprisoned. And he went through a lot. David stood alone when he faced his giant. Abel stood alone. Noah stood alone. Even Jesus stood alone. Galatians 6 verse 4 confirms that for us. That sometimes we will be alone. It says, but let each one examine his own work. And then he 
will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Verse 5, for each one shall bear his own load. So sometimes you will stand alone. And we must be willing to pay a big price. Sometimes the prophets in the word, you would, you would hear them say that even if God does not deliver me, I'm going to stand in faith. I'm still going to stand. I'm still not going to go down. I'm going to stand tall even if I'm alone. But Psalm 27, Psalm, Psalm 23 verse 4, one of the famous psalms or pretty much chapters in the Bible. Here David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If you're writing notes, you want to write number one. Even though you stand physically alone, number one, God is with us in the valley. You need to know that. And you say, yeah, I know that. But if you're in the valley, you need to be reminded of that. And I'm here to remind you of that. And if you're not in the valley, maybe tomorrow you will be. Eventually, we all will be. And we'll have certain many valleys in our life. And you need to know this truth. You need to know this promise that he will never leave you nor forsake you. That he will be with you all the time. Amen. And even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're not, you shall not fear no evil. If you know that your God is with you. He talks to God and he says, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid because you're with me. I'm going to go through this difficult journey safely because you're here. I can feel secure. You're capable of protecting me with that rod, with that staff. You can protect me. And as long as I'm with my shepherd, I will be determined I will be confident that he'll walk me through it because he's my shepherd. If you have little kids like I used to have, because they grow up so fast, when my little ones, and sometimes they're still afraid of the dark, we, uh, the, dark the house is dark, and um, they want to cross the house, but they hear noises and they... And they, they, they I, they're, it's pitch black and they don't know where they're going. They're terrified of it. But they call dad to the scene and he shows up and holds his hand. And I'll tell you, all that fear is gone. You know that you're secure. You know that you're protected and you go so confidently, so boldly through that darkness. And God is the same way. God is to be with you. And you can boldly go through that valley knowing you're not alone, knowing that you're with a God that will sustain you, that will protect you, and even provide for you in the valley. And notice that David, at the beginning of the psalm, he declares that the Lord is my shepherd. Not others, but he's saying it's, he's my shepherd. He's my father. You need to start declaring the Lord is my shepherd. If you're taking notes, number two, endure the valley. Many of us don't endure the valley. Many of us throw in the towel and we quit. On September 2nd, 2013, listen to this. 
Something happened that had never happened before. On September 2nd, 2013, a person did something that no other human being had ever done before. September 2nd, 2013. Many others had tried, but had not actually done it. It had been attempted even by the person who did it on four previous occasions. In fact, the first time the person attempted it, it was 35 years before. But finally, on September 2nd, 2013, Diana Niad, 64 years of age, did something that took her 53 hours to do. You're all supposed to say, what did she do, Pastor? That's right. I know you all want to know. She swam from Havana, Cuba to Key West, Florida. Never got out of the water. She swam for 110 miles based on her course. 53 hours. She swam longer than you work. And she was 64 years of age. 64. And she did it. She swam shark-infested waters without a shark cage. Look at your neighbor and say, we ain't doing that. Her first time, she tried it 35 years earlier. She tried this five times. The first time she tried it, it was 35 years earlier. She encountered winds that were so strong that it pushed the water to hold her back. She eventually went nowhere. The next time she tried it, she got an asthma attack. So she had to stop. The third time she tried it, she had jellyfish bites. And it caused her to swell and she had a respiratory distress. The fourth time she tried it, she encountered storms that were too dangerous for her to continue. But on the fifth time, everybody say fifth time. Fifth time. Woo, that's a lot of times. She started August 31st and swam until September 2nd to finish it. And so after 53 hours from Havana to Key West, she completed the task and done something that no other human being had ever done without a shark cage. And I can't get over the fact that she was 64 years of age. Now here's why I wanted to talk to you about her. Because it took her 35 years to complete something that she had dreamed of doing 35 years earlier. She dreamed of something she would do. And it took her 35 years to do. What she teaches us and that when you are, is that when you are going to accomplish something in life, it may not always happen instantly. It's a journey you must endure. It's a journey you must fight for. And sometimes a valley will look like this. And how many knows, know that when you complete that valley, when you complete that, you feel like this woman in that picture? Where you feel victorious, you throw those arms in the air like, that's it, I've done it. You need to have that in mind. You need to have the goal in mind. David says, I will walk, I will not fear, 
and I will get through. Look at David's attitude. He did not say, I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. He says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's because the valley isn't permanent. It's not in the valley. It's you're going through it. It's a temporary thing. You need to know that what you go through, those dry places in your life, it's temporary. But that temporary sometimes can be 35 years. And you're going through it. It may take a month. It may take two years. It may take 35. But will you endure it? We must endure it. Hebrews 12, verse 1. A famous scripture says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily it snares us, and let us run with endurance. Somebody say endurance. endurance. The race that is set before us, the race of faith will include obstacles. The race of faith will include valleys. And therefore, we must go through it with endurance. You must endure it. Don't throw in the towel. Many of us do. And we die in the valley along with those bones, along with the dryness that's around us. But he's telling you, don't focus on what's around you. Don't focus on the death that's around you. Don't focus on the problems that is around you. Put your focus on the king of kings. Put the focus on your Lord, on your shepherd, so that you can endure it. Know that he is with you. Endure the valley. In verse 2, Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus. That's how you do it. That's the answer of how you finish, complete that valley. The author and finisher of our faith. See, that woman had to keep her eye on the goal. I need to get to the land. If she worried about what was around her, the sharks, the jellyfish, she's already gone through all that. She says, I got to set my eye on the goal, on the prize. I'm going to make it there. You got to set your eye on the goal, on the prize. Jesus, he's the author and finisher of your faith. That's what that verse says right there, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It doesn't end there. Your life is not over in the valley. He knows what he wrote from the moment you were born, before you were born, to the day you die. He's the author and the finisher of your faith, the beginning and the end. He's got it written down. And that's not how your story's going to end. If you're with God, he's got great plans. He's got great plans in store for you. Looking unto Jesus, it says, who for the joy, this is Jesus, that was set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the valley, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who for the joy, you know who the joy is? The joy is you. Put your name where the word joy is. You are his joy. For Kenny that was set before him endured the cross. For Will that was before him endured the cross. 
for Paulette that was before him. He had you on his mind. And therefore, he endured the cross. Who's your joy? It's got to be Christ. It's got to be the reason you live. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that is what will give you strength in the valley. Jesus is your joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. You need strength. Because it's not easy. And it could be, and it could seem very long. But with Jesus, all things are possible. He despised the shame. Forget what was around him. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So number one, God is with us in the valley. Number two, we must endure the valley. And I want to tell you that, again, many people fail at this. And in the midst of their valleys, they pull out a towel and they throw it in and they said, I've had enough, enough is enough. Where is God in the midst of my trial? And people quit and throw in the towel at work. People throw in their towel in their marriage because things are getting rough financially. And they quit. And God wants you to know that he doesn't want you to quit. He wants you to endure. He wants you to fight the fight. He wants you to stand strong. A lot of people fight this alone and that's why they die. That's why they quit. But you fight these battles with the Lord and you're going to have the victory. Don't fight alone. Don't give up. Don't quit. Number three. My favorite. Praise him in the valley. Hard to do, isn't it? Ezekiel 37 verse 5 says, Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you. That's like ligaments, tendons. And bring flesh upon you. Notice the word you here. Cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know who I am, the Lord. God will take you through a valley to do a work in you in the valley. To give you life in the valley so that you can know who he is, the Lord. He's going to show you who he really is. He will give you breath in the valley. And breath is like life. It represents life. In the beginning when he breathed into man, it was, he was breathing life into man. So he will give you breath. He will give you life in the midst of what's dead around you. 
It seems dead all around you. John 10.10 says, I've come to give them life. And life in abundance so much that they will overcome that valley. Some of us don't believe that. Some of us don't believe that he's there with us in the valley. And some of us don't believe that he breathes life into us. I encourage you to start praising him now if you're in the mountaintop. So that when you get into the valley, it's just what you do daily. It's what you do all the time. No matter what. I'm going to seek him in the morning like David did. Good day or bad day, today's a day the Lord has made, period. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to give him my all. At all times, praise him. If you don't do that in the good times, you're not going to do it in the bad times. And you're going to need it in the bad times. In the difficult times. He will give you breath in the valley. And you know why he will give you breath in the valley? So that you can give breath Give that breath back to him in praise. A preacher once said that worship is simply giving God his breath back. A preacher said that worship is simply giving God his breath back. That breath he gave you, that life that he gave you, you are to give it right back to him. Some of us waste our breath on other things. God wants you to use that for worship and praise to him. Let's have the soul worship team come up. I'm almost finished. 1 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. First Peter 1, verse 6. There it is. In this, you greatly rejoice. Listen to this. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, by various valleys, not one, but many sometimes, that the genuine, genuineness of your faith, not a fake faith, but a genuine faith, if you have a genuine faith, Faith, it says, being more precious than gold that perishes, it is tested by fire. Your faith, the genuine faith, will be tested by fire. And you know what, you know what happens when your faith, your genuine faith, real faith, is tested by fire in the valley? It says, it will be found, what will come out is praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is what's going to come out of you. You don't even have to say, I'm going to praise God. But if you have a genuine faith and believe that God is with you, if you have a genuine faith and believe who he is and what he says he is and who he says he is, then when you're in the valley, what will just come out of you is praise. Honor. You will honor who God is. Even in the midst of all the problems, why, God? No, you won't. You will, you will honor and understand, God, I don't know what you're taking me through. I know it's tough. Please take me out of this. But I honor you because I know you've got something. You have a purpose behind this. I will give you glory regardless. 
That's not possible for someone who doesn't praise him regularly. Don't wait until you're in the valley. The valley may just kill you. Praise him now. You need to declare who God is in your life. You need to declare the goodness of who God is. Your faith will be tested in the valley. Faith in the valley, again, will produce praise, honor, and glory. The valley will either make you bitter or it will make you better. The valley will either make you bitter or it will make you better. And that's your perspective. And that's your faith in the valley. That's what determines if it will be bitter or better. When I hear the word Paul and I hear this, when I read about him, I always like to think of him as the, one of the untouchables. Like you couldn't touch this guy. I mean, this guy went through it all. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Look what he went through, just a few things. It says, from the Jews, five times... Everybody say five. That's a lot. No, now let's multiply. Five times 40 stripes, 40 lashes, minus one. That's a lot of lashes, isn't it? You do the math. That's 200 lashes. Three times, verse 25. Three times. I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, not with drugs, with rocks. Three times. Say three times. times. It's good to repeat these numbers. You don't forget it. You got to understand it. Three times, not one, not two, but three. I was shipwrecked. You know that one of those shipwrecks, he ended up getting on an island and he got bit by a snake. You're like, come on. Are you serious? God, I'm doing the work of God and now this. It says, a night and a day I have been in the deep. Verse 26, in journeys often, in perils of water. In dangerous waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. I was in danger in all of these among false brethren. Verse 27, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. But I love Paul because they couldn't touch this guy. They couldn't do anything. They tell you, we'll kill you. And he'll tell you to die is gain. All right, we'll leave you alone. All right, then to live is Christ. (laughs) We'll torture you. Well, I do not compare the sufferings of this world to the future glory. No matter what, this guy was untouchable. We'll put you in prison. 
Well, then I'm going to have to sing some songs and convert all your guards. And despite of what Paul went through, that's exactly what took place. That's his story. Man, from valley to valley. Like, when is his mountaintop going to... When is, when's his breakthrough? When is he going to be out of this? But he just kept on enduring. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. He fought the fight, the good fight. He ran with endurance. And in Acts 16, that's the story of Paul and Silas when they were imprisoned. They were beaten. They were put in chains. And the Bible says that in the midnight hour, they began to praise God. Praise God. After all that, you know why? Because he was already a worshiper. That's what came out. You beat him, praise comes out of you. You put him in jail, praise comes out of you. You get shipwrecked, praise comes out of you. You get bit by a snake, what comes out of you? Ouch! No, you praise him. No matter what, you praise him. When you're in the valley, you should praise him and declare where he's taking you from. Let's stand this morning. People of God, it's time to praise him. And that's for you that are in the valley and for those that are out of the valley. Right now, you might be in the garden. Some of you are in the graveyard. But regardless, you are to praise him. You are to declare what God has done in your life. You are to declare where he's taking you from. When you start, while you're in the valley, and you start to remember where God took you from, man, that'll give you strength. That'll remind you how faithful God is. When you ask Gary, Gary, who were you before? I used to be a drug dealer. Who are you now? I'm a servant of the Most High God. You got to declare that. That's praise. Praise that. Say it. Declare it. It will be your strength. This morning, let's declare that to our God and let's praise Him. That same breath that He breathed in you breathe it back to him let's do that this morning you know when, when Jesus was on that cross he was paying an incredible price and he was enduring a great valley and at the end of that valley there was going to be a great victory and in Mark 15 37 we hear the very last moment of what took place on that cross as he was hanging there verse 37 mark chapter 15 it says jesus cried out with a loud voice and he breathed his last breath jesus breathed his last breath as jesus was breathing his last 
breath, we were breathing in that breath. We were breathing in life. We were breathing in victory, the very presence of God. That is something to cause you to praise your God, to thank Him. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your presence in the good times and in the bad times, Lord. Lord, in the garden or in the graveyard, when things seem so good and even when things seem so dry, today we choose, Lord, that we will praise you. We will declare your word to the problem and not about the problem. Today we will declare and know that you are with us, Lord. Today we know that with you we will endure the valley. And at all times we will praise you in the valley. For we have our eyes set on you. And we know, Lord, that you will take us from victory to victory, from glory to glory. And we'll take you, Lord, from praise to praise nonstop. We will praise the name of Jesus for who you are, for what you've done. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah.